Welcome to the One America podcast. This is your host, Sophia Nelson. Today is May 27th, 2020, and it's Wednesday. On our Wednesday wisdom segment, I like to offer something to help make us all a little bit wiser. This has been a tough week for America. It's been a tough week for black Americans. We're going to talk about race today. Every time I think that we're moving forward, we take 10 steps back. You know, one of the first podcasts that I did uh, when this podcast started over a year and a half ago now was on the 1619 Project. Uh, The 1619 Project is something that every American ought to read. You can find it via the New York Times. Just Google it. Virginia, where I live, uh, commemorated 400 years Uh, since 1619. It was 2019 last year, of course, and uh, the beginning of slavery on our shores here in the Commonwealth. 20 Africans from Angola came here to Jamestown, uh, off the coast, literally, of Jamestown, and thus began our journey as black peoples here. I've said this before. I am a direct lineal descendant of slaves on my mother's side and of slave owners, And I've written about this in my columns in the Daily Beast and in the Washington Post and in the USA Today, et cetera, all the places where I write all throughout the years. But I've been really focused on that as we've been looking into this beginnings of America. If you haven't read E Pluribus One, Reclaiming Our Founders' Vision for a United America, my last book, you should get a copy. It's a great time to read it. I think when I wrote it and it came out in January 2017, the country was in no mood for unity. The country was bitterly divided over the election that had just occurred. Uh, Hillary Clinton uh, fans and voters wanted very much to see the first woman president. That Donald Trump beat her was a shock to the political establishment. It was an earthquake. And here we are almost four years down the road and we're in a mess And while we cannot blame the current president of the United States for the coronavirus itself, we cannot blame him for the loss of 40 million jobs. We cannot even blame him for the racism that we see that's on the uh, incline and the lack of civility, et cetera. We can certainly hold his feet to the fire for the part that he's played in it all. And I'm going to talk about that today. I want you all to, before we get started here on Wednesday, wisdom, and I'm not going to be long because I want to be thoughtful. I'm deeply distressed by the killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis. It's not the first time, but that video is horrific. I couldn't get through it. Uh, If you watch it, you better take a deep breath, make sure your kids aren't around, because it's awful. Uh, This officer kneeling in the nape of his neck near his spine, I'm no doctor, I'm no medical examiner, but I suspect his uh, larynx in his throat was probably um, crushed and that's why he couldn't breathe and ultimately died. Uh, this country was up in arms about Colin Kaepernick kneeling during the national anthem. Now, Sophia Nelson loves her country. She's the daughter of uh, a sergeant in the United States Army, a granddaughter of uh, a sergeant major in the United States Army, um, and loves her country, brother, military officer, uncles. Everybody has served. And... Um, When I think of our anthem, I'm proud to stand. I'm proud to put my hand on my heart. So I wouldn't personally kneel in protest during the anthem. I would write and speak and do what I do. 
but I don't object to someone else exercising their free speech rights to do so. And when Colin Kaepernick, like a gentleman, kneeled peacefully, he didn't wield guns, he didn't have a mask like these protesters are doing at the behest of the president to liberate themselves from governors who are trying to protect them and protect the health of the public, protect their children and their families. Um, When Colin Kaepernick kneeled, it, it caused a big stir. And the president of the United States of America, who's not said a word, by the way, about these racist incidents and the death of Mr. Floyd at the hands of these four officers that have been fired and they ought to be criminally charged, and I hope they will be. Um, and we'll get to Miss Cooper and Central Park and all that in a moment, but I want to stick with this for a moment. The president of the United States of America called those black NFL players sons of bitches, um, inciting riot against them, inciting disdain against them. And exactly what happened to Mr. Floyd is exactly what Colin Kaepernick was protesting against. Exactly that. Kaepernick has been banned from the NFL. He's been blackballed. He's been called names. He's been threatened. So some of you out there, if you're more outraged by Colin Kaepernick taking a knee in peaceful protest, as he is guaranteed the right to do under the First Amendment in this country, to protest against police brutality and the murder of black men in this country, and you don't have a problem with that white officer kneeling in the neck of that black man and literally uh, antagonizing him. Well, why don't you get up? Get up, he's saying. It was ugly. It's incendiary. It's hateful. And I've seen the tweets and I've seen the posts. And I got to tell you, my stomach hurts because my country is in trouble. We're going down a rabbit hole and I don't know if we can get back. If we continue this course of hatred of division, of smearing each other, of accusing each other falsely of murder on Twitter. The president of the United States of America has done this, of not thinking about the collateral damage of families, of people who've been wounded and hurt and harmed, of not thinking about the fact that our words actually mean something, the fact that we can disagree, we don't have to all support each other's politics, but we're supposed to still be Americans. The country is in trouble, and if you're not seeing it, you're not awake. The time has come for men and women of goodwill to wake the hell up and get active. If you value the future for your kids and for your grandkids and your great-grandchildren, if you want America to be the America you grew up in but better, if you want America to be America the beautiful and America the prosperous, you're going to have to get off your asses and you're going to have to get up and you're going to have to start speaking out and you're going to have to get to the ballot box, whether it's mail-in or vote-in, and you're going to have to make your concerns known to your member of Congress and to your Senate. That's why they are there. We, the people of the United States of America, in order to form a more perfect union, are the words to the preamble to our great constitution. And I am distressed, and I mean this sincerely. Look, let me tell you what, partisanship aside for a moment, when you lose as a Republican president, the Wall Street Journal this morning, the Washington Examiner, which is ultra right-wing conservative, and when you get editorial after editorial board in this country saying that the president is not mentally well, that these attacks and rages on Twitter are not only unseemly and immoral, but they are unbecoming of a president of the United States. When you see that Twitter now has to put disclaimers on the president's tweets to say, you need to fact check this because this is misleading 
And now the president is threatening to take away uh, their licenses and he's threatening to do this and do that. And that's all he's doing, folks. He's threatening because he can do none of it under the Constitution. But I want to talk about race and I want to talk about this plague. We are under a pandemic right now on May 27, 2020, as you hear my voice. 100,000 people will die by sunset today. This will be a grim day in our country, just as it was when we hit 50,000 and when we hit 90,000, excuse me, and when we hit 100,000. And regrettably, that will not be all. We will lose up to 150,000 by August, maybe more. And then we go to the second wave, which starts in October. If it isn't bad enough that we're all living under the financial stress and strain, the emotional stress and strain of being locked in, of sheltered in, of of 40 million of us unemployed, people like me with small businesses are are barely hanging on. I've lost 60% of the projected revenues from January uh, through the first quarter of April and doing everything I can to make that up, to make sure that things stay on course and still help other people to buy food for the food bank, to give money, support, and do what I can. And I'm hoping all of you are doing the same. Even if it's a little painful, we need some shared sacrifice. That's when we are at our best as Americans. We help each other. We support each other. Listen, if I call 911 right now and I'm having a heart attack, If the EMT that comes to my door is a white man, a white woman, an Asian, a Muslim, whoever, I do not care. What I care about is them helping me and getting me better. And when I reach out to feed people and when I've gone to the women's shelter and given out toiletries or given out books or tried to do something to encourage, those women embrace. They don't care what color I am. They don't care what political party I belong to. We have got to do better than this. We are destroying ourselves from within. The enemy abroad, the communists, those who don't like our way of life, those who hate our religious liberty and our freedoms, they want to take us out. And we are giving them every opportunity to do so because we are taking ourselves out. Listen, folks, whether you like the president or not, The president of the United States of America is one of the most visible, if not the most visible figures in the world. And what he says matters and how he talks matters and how he comports himself matters. His Twitter feed is a disgrace. His conduct in the Rose Garden at the press conferences are a disgrace. The White House press secretary is a disgrace. It is not for them to do what they do. They're hurting this country. This isn't about winning elections anymore. We are in the middle of a pandemic that, again, has killed 100,000, 100,000, 100,000 of our people. To those of you saying this is a hoax, shame on you. You're a disgrace. Shame on you. To those of you that don't want to wear a mask, shame on you. You're jeopardizing others. You may be asymptomatic. You may be healthy, whatever. But you need to do your part. None of us likes to wear a mask. It messes up my lipstick. I'm not cool like I like to be with my shades on. But the CDC has told us to do so. The CDC has asked us to still still social distance. The CDC has asked us to phase in the reopening so that we can do so safely. So that we don't have to go back in again when this second wave comes. And it's coming. Look. 
I, uh, I don't know what else I can say here, but on this issue of race, the time has come for white people to stop denying that you know that there is an issue. There is no colorblind, that's bull crap, doesn't exist. The moment we walk into a door, a room, we survey the room, we know who's in there, we acknowledge who's female, who's male. There was an Asian lady, there's a Hispanic lady, there's a black man, whatever. It's how we're wired. We do see color. In fact, as one of the great Supreme Court justices wrote in the Plessy decision, Plessy versus Ferguson in 1896, which ushered in legal segregation, one most one must first be color conscious in order to be color blind. One must first be color conscious in order to be color blind. That's powerful. In other words, what he was saying, Justice Taney, is that in order for us to really deal with the issue of race in America, and this is in the 1800s when he's writing these words, it's post-Civil War, and he's saying, you gotta see it, you gotta face it so you can fix it. And that's where we find ourselves yet again in the 21st century. Slavery started in America in the 17th century. We are now in the 21st century and we're still at each other. A black man can't go in a park in Central Park being a member of the Audubon Society. Yes, black people are members of the Audubon Society. We watch birds, we swim, we run, we read poetry, we have chess tournaments and and renaissance festivals we like that stuff just like you we're human beings just like you and yet we can't get peace he can't go in a park and watch birds and ask the woman politely to put the leash on her dog as the park rules require and that's for the safety of the dog of the animals of the other citizens And instead of saying, absolutely, thanks for the reminder, have a good day, this woman made another decision that has now cost her her dog, which she dragged by the throat. It was disgusting. Uh, Very unkind to the animal. The animal's been taken away. She's been fired from her job. She's been deemed a racist on social media by her employer, by everybody everywhere. And now she's a victim. Well, no, she's not a victim. She threatened and called 911 on this man saying, I'm going to get you in trouble. She knew. She knows. She knows about Eric Garner. She knows about George Floyd. She knows about all the other black men in America and black boys, Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice, who have been handled by the police, murdered by the police on a call or on suspicion or driving, or whatever. She knows, because everybody knows. Everybody knows what the N-word is. Everybody knows uh, what they think they know about black people in this country, the stereotypes. We're all angry, we're all violent, we're savages, we're animals, even when we're educated. If Barack Obama, when he was president of the United States of America, had walked out the White House at seven o'clock at night and put on a sweatshirt and some pants and some sneakers and gone out and tried to hail a cab. He couldn't have got one. Taxi drivers don't pick up black men after hours. Everybody knows that. 
I could go on and on and on about the stereotypes that demean all of us and dehumanize us. I wrote a whole book about it. It's entitled Black Woman Redefined, Dispelling Myths and Discovering Fulfillment in the Age of Michelle Obama. It was my first book, nominated for a Pulitzer Prize in Letters, won Best Nonfiction uh, Book of the Year in 2011. It's the ninth anniversary, in fact, of the pub date uh, yesterday. And uh, I hope you'll pick up a copy. It's used by corporations, colleges, and institutions and organizations all over this country on diversity and inclusion and unconscious bias and conscious bias training. Because trust me, that woman was very conscious. She knew what she was doing. Just like the woman who told men in the 1950s that Emmett Till had whistled at her or made a pass at her. That woman cost that 13, 14 year old boy his life. He was brutally murdered, lynched, beat, shot, drown in the river. And then in her 80s, when she got old and her conscience caught up with her, she told that she had made it up and how bad she felt about it. Emmett Till died a brutal, horrific death and his mother lost her only son that she would send down south for the summer so that she could work to be with her family. And When he died and was murdered, she wouldn't close the casket. She wanted America to see. That casket is in the National Museum of African American History and Culture in Washington, D.C. The casket that he was buried in. Um, She wanted America to see its ugliness, its brutality. Folks, again, every time I think we're moving forward, we're moving backwards. And I have to ask a question. Where are the churches? Where are the pastors, the white ones, the black ones? Where is America? Where is our soul? Where is our humanity? Where is our decency? Where are we going? What is it about the color of somebody's skin that can make people act so ugly? What is it? I'll tell you what it is. It's fear. And so here's what I want to say to you on this Wednesday Wisdom Podcast on the One America podcast, intentional about the name of this podcast. I want to say to you that fear is the root of nothing good. As Joyce Meyer likes to say, it is false evidence acting real. Fear will make you do things. Fear will make you run from things. Fear will make you hide. Fear will make you cower. Fear will make you ugly. Fear will make you a bully. Fear will make you a racist. Fear will make you a sexist. Fear will make you anything but who and what God intended you to be. There's something wrong in this country when armed, masked, White men can storm a state capital with the weapons drawn, loaded weapons drawn, and rage at police and yell and demand, and nobody gets tear gassed and nobody gets shot and nobody gets choked to death, and none of that happens. But a black man or woman can be driving their car and end up in a routine traffic stop, can end up in tragedy and murder because the police thought he saw you reach for something or... He was intimidated or you didn't do what he told you to do. That's bullshit. I'm sorry. If 
For my Christian listeners, you're going to have to bear with me today because I'm angry and I should be angry because I'm tired of white liberals and I'm tired of white moderates who who do nothing and say nothing to the church leaders who follow a madman and say he's the second coming of God and, and do all this that's just a bunch of lies and it's ridiculousness and what it is is a bunch of cover for fear. For fear of America browning, for fear that America's changing, for fear that it's not going to be the America you grew up in, for fear that somehow you're going to lose something to somebody that doesn't look like you. You need to get over it and you need to stop because there's nothing you can do to stop the demographic changes. They're here and they're only going to get more brown and more of color. It's not going backwards. It's never going to be a majority white nation again once 2030 passes. It's not. So you better adapt. and You better learn to judge people by the content of their character. About the kind of human beings that they are and how they treat you and what kind of neighbors they are. And do they fellowship with you? Do they check on you? I am blessed with amazing neighbors who all happen to be white. They check on us. They make sure we're okay. We do the same for them. Take each other groceries. We share our food. We look out for each other. We pray together. We celebrate together. We like each other as people. That doesn't mean that we see the world the same, that our politics are the same, any of that. But that doesn't matter. We like each other as people. Some of our white neighbors and friends are more like family than family. As we are to them. So don't tell me what we can't do. Don't tell me that we can't get beyond this ugly, sick scab of racism that haunts us as a country. Don't tell me because I don't believe it. I know better. I've been watching Grant for the last two nights on the History Channel. And the third part is tonight, Wednesday, the 27th. And if you haven't seen it, you can get it on demand or, you know... You can get it through the History Channel app and watch it. But it's profound. It's about our nation's uh, 18th president. It is about uh, a man who grew up poor from humble roots and became the greatest general or one of the greatest generals ever in the history of the republic. He won the Civil War. He helped Lincoln keep the Union together. A great Republican president. Uh, a man who uh, worked in the field along with his father-in-law slaves. And when his father-in-law passed, he freed the slaves. A man who uh, was given to drinking sometimes too much. A man who was given to melancholy and depression. A man who at one point had to sell wood to make ends meet. Ends up being a lieutenant general and defeating Lee And keeping this country together as one union. And going on to become an even better president. I bring him up because he learned when he worked in the fields when he was poor. And he had to feed his family with his slaves. That these are people just like me. And they want the same things that I do. And not only did he free his slaves. But more importantly... Grant, when he was commanding general of the Union Army, was one of the first to suggest that we enlist black troops to fight because he saw some that were burying the dead on the battlefields, particularly at Shiloh and some of the battles 
1863, he saw the bravery, he saw the loyalty, he saw the ability and the skill, and he said, they can fight. 200,000 black men fought on the side of the Union during the Civil War. It was a big turning point. What am I saying? I'm saying the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. That's Franklin Roosevelt. We have to stop fearing one another. We have to stop menacing one another. We have to stop seeing each other as other. And until we do that, this nation is going to bleed. It's going to burn. It's going to be angry. It's going to be divided. And we're going to set ourselves up for some real problems down the road because the enemies abroad who, again, don't like our freedoms and our way of life and who we are, They see this and they laugh at us. They can't believe those silly damn Americans are still fighting over race. They think we're ridiculous, but they know it's our Achilles heel. They know it because our history tells them so. So the question on the table is, are we going to keep repeating this ugly history of race and racism in America? Or are we going to confront it and deal with it and challenge it and defeat it? I'm ready. Are you? I'm in. Are you? Because I'm tired. I'm exhausted. And I think we are all exhausted with the everyday, the antics, the fighting, the back and forth, the rages and the tweeting and the smearing and the name calling. It's awful. And it's not good for the human soul. It's not good for the American soul. It's not good for we the people. And so I'm going to simply end as I end often on this One America podcast. E pluribus unum out of many, one. That has to be where we focus now because the second wave of the pandemic is coming. More Americans will die. More Americans will go hungry. More Americans will be out of work. More violence, more suicide, more depression, more everything that's not so good. We're going to have to step up and help each other. One America. One. Guys, I... I'm hurt. I'm upset. I can't watch that video of that man being handled like that. We got to do better. I hope you're reading my columns in the Daily Beast. I have a new one out as of last night about this issue of race. Um, More good stuff coming. Pick up a copy of Black Woman Redefined for the young black women in your life. Uh, I don't care if you're white, whatever color you are. uh, It's a great book for you to read if you're a leader particularly in corporate and collegiate, et cetera. Um, The only way we're going to get through of this is for all of us to work together to fix some of us. Because some of us are wicked. Some of us are racist. Some of us are broken. Some of us are mean, nasty, ugly people. And we can't let them win. One America. One. God bless you. God keep you. God bless the United States of America.